Episode 120. 120. I am your host, Matthew PM And you can go to there to find all the needs for the show. This is the show coming at you from the Tomihisa Cho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. The armpit of Asia. And this is the podcast, of course, that covers AI markets in Japan, the rising conflict in the Indo-Pacific, news analysis, and more. Thank you for joining us today. Got a busy show for you today. The November chills have begun to set in. Uh, put on some slippers, uh, light a fire, sit back with your cigar, and uh, join us for the ride today, won't you? If you don't like a cigar, I get it. You can leave the room and go to a different room where there are no cigars. And let's just say a, a window with a grand vista, with a lake in the distance, and some mountains poking out from behind the clouds off near the horizon. The sun's poking through a little hole in one of those clouds, and you can see some rays coming down. One of those things. A giant vista with no cigars. Busy day for us today. Let's just begin right away. <clears throat> I cover new products because they're goofy in Japan. And sometimes the topics are a little like, heavy. Uh, but I also cover these topics because it's kind of an indicator of what perhaps might be going on in the markets. And I believe that we're all myopic beings. Like we don't really, we don't really have as much scope as we think we do about things. So I try to sometimes get out of my little, my little my little hovels, my little networks, and explore what products are being made. And one of the reasons I did do this is because when I was, this is quite a while ago, but I was in Harajuku, and this is when the, there's an application in line, in Japan called Line, and it's like the mobile app, and then there's music on it and stickers, and it became very popular with women, so then it became very popular with men. Um, and it became popular with women from in Asia, like Taiwan, Thailand, and all these other things. And it kind of appeals to the psychology of, of these women, shy girls who are kind of quirky. Um, and I was into Harajuku and I noticed that there was a line store and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I thought it was just an app. And as I'm getting close to the line store, there's a giant line to get into the line stop. And it was all filled with, with girls. And then of course, dudes, so I eventually, I'm like, I'll just check it out. This is weird. I, I, was in, I was involved in tech at the time, and it was just not in my radar. So I go in, and it's just packed with, with young girls in their late teens, early 20s, and dudes of all ages buying line stuff. This line app has characters like a bear and stuff like that, and you can buy the bear plushy toy or the bear sticker, like a real sticker in real life. Um, but what shocked me is I, I went up or I went down, I can't remember, to one of the floors, and there was a, a collaboration being done with Bivolgardi, that that luxury brand shop. And they had bags with line characters on them, and they were encrusted with diamonds. And these were like multi-thousand dollar bags. And I was kind of going, wow, that's something. That's part of the market I didn't see. And uh, there's a lot of interest in these bags. But even if they're not really buying a lot of them, you still have to do like an intercorporate collaboration. There has to be meetings, board meetings, how many diamonds, what's the character, how big is the character. They, these have to be really fleshed out before you just put them in a bag in a store. And that made me kind of realize 
I didn't, I did had no idea the value of that market. And then a few years later, the app was bought up by some of the largest corporations in Japan, Yahoo and SoftBank and put under the title of Z Holdings. Uh, so it just kind of goes to show that like, hmm, we don't really know what's going on in the markets, even though we think we might know. This comes to us from japantoday.com. Similar vibes is what I was just describing. Now, I don't like Pokemon. I, I think it's dumb. I, 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 I see Pikachu and I hear people go, Pika, Pika, Pikachu. And I say, okay, that's fine if you're up to seven years old. Anything other than that, and I, I begin to worry about you um, deeply. There's like, uh, there's a, something deeply wrong. And then millions and millions of people over the age of seven, over the age of 20, 30, 40, now 50, are going, Pika, Pika, Pika. I like a Pokemon. Okay. Pokemon and Tiffany team up for new accessory line with Pikachu Pendant. Coming to us from Sora News 24 via japantoday.com. There's a wide array of Pokeballs and Pokemon, each with a different purpose. And you can tell what each is by its color scheme. I didn't even know that. This is written by Casey Basile, featured frequently on the Hate Read of the Week. The red and white standard Pokeball is an all-rounder, of course, while the Ultra Ball, covered gray, yellow, and white, is for catching particularly powerful pocket monsters. And the Fast Ball, with, orange and yellow, uh, with an orange and yellow top, is for targeting speedy ones. I didn't know this. Um, so there's this lineup, and it consists of finely crafted versions of six different Pokemon species, including naturally Pikachu. Charmander and Squirtle are here too, though the member of the Gen 1 starter trio, Bulbasaur, is left out with the remaining slots in the collaboration going to Jigglypuff, Mew, and Cubone. I don't know who any of these people are. I'm going to be posting the pictures of these pendants up onto the website for the podcast, MatthewPMBigelow.com. Go there for show ideas, show notes, photos, uh, donation ideas, and more, as well as for the photos. Um... The sparkle of the diamonds is particularly bright in contrast to the steely look of the oxidized silver. The weathered look is a callback to Ashram's Ripple in Time art project from 2022, which included an anime short in which Ash and Satoshi and Pikachu discover a ruined city filled with Pokemon statues with crystalline cores. And anyways, it kind of goes on and says, the Tiffany blue Pokeball which is uh, the one that uh, comes with the Pikachu, is the case for the gold Pikachu necklaces, both the large pendant version pictured above with Pikachu, when, with Pikachu sitting down and the small pendant version uh, with the same pose as the statue in the Ripple in Time short. Now, these cost $2,000, or the six pieces version, the six species version, comes in at 12, like 1.2 million yen, probably about 10 grand. The gold Pikachu nestling for the gold Pikachu pieces. This is the, so the, the previous ones were just like the, the runners up in terms of price, 2000, 12 million. How much do you think the gold Pikachu pieces, the small pendant, how much do you think that is? If you guessed 1.5 million yen or about $11,000, you're right. How is the large one? 
The large one is 47, 4.7 million yen or about $4,200 for a Pokemon that you wear around your neck. I wonder who's buying this. I always think it's like rich Arabs, but I'm like, do they really want Pikachu stuff and, and for Arab stuff? Or is this like a super rich Asians? I have no idea. But anyways, if you are interested in knowing what this types of absurd uh, product lines are all about, go to MatthewPMBigelow.com, check them out, familiarize yourself with how the markets are changing. I mean, breakfast at Tiffany's, Audrey Hepburn, classy ladies with lots of diamonds and black dresses going to galas. That's kind of what I viewed Tiffany as even until now. But apparently, no, those days are gone. Now it's just smartphone addicted people getting their jewelry likes reinforced by the algorithms of the Pokemon. Very unusual. That's Borderline Society 5.0. So is that reasonable or is it not reasonable? Is it? Oh, is it? Moving on next to the next topic. We're going to delve right into it today. Getting back into Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0. A technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. The Japan Society 5.0 is a government initiative, and it's an umbrella term for all things digital transformation. Uh, Your AI, your drone delivery, all of these things. It was originally conceived back in 2017. This is when I was working as a, a teacher at a telecommunications company, researching AI markets and AI trends for the engineers. And at the time, this telecommunications company was investing about $100 billion into AI, um, one of the main three telecommunications of Japan. And so I had this fly on the wall view. And that's where I learned about a lot of this stuff for AI markets specifically. And that's why I don't talk about like the AI doom or the AI is going to take over. Uh, It's mainly from markets and and engineering perspective that I learned to tackle this from. And I've kept it up over the years. The reason why I think it's important is uh, the government still is still unleashing, (laughs) still moving forward with these ideas, even though they are evolving, perhaps away from the original intent. Uh, Now we see a lot of um, equity and SDGs being shoehorned into the Japan Society 5.0 initiatives. And uh, largely that's because, in my opinion, back in 2017, a lot of this uh, AI cloud technology, and let's just clarify what I mean by AI. It's, It's basically automation in the cloud where you have sensors or cameras in real life that are equipped with, you know, pixel recognition. They identify pixels. They send a, a, automatically send a, a warning or something to happen 
in the cloud and that can go to an administrator or it can set an action to to send somebody to a location. Um, that's kind of what I mean largely by AI. I don't mean the robots are coming to kill you AI. And I, I just want to clarify that. The reason why I tackle it from that perspective is because studying the Chinese markets and all that, they're making uh, ports that are autonomous. Uh, like you, the ships come in and the cranes take the, uh, the, those giant containers, put them onto self-driving trucks. The self-driving trucks go to the, um, you know, the 18 wheelers or whatever is being used to transport them. And there's people get around the port by self-driving buses on these routes and it's configured by engineers um, in a watchtower that are mainly using 5G equipment to ensure that the port runs smoothly with all this wireless connectivity. It's not like it's perfect, but it might be more efficient than, than hiring tons and tons of people who are always coming and going and stealing and dropping and kicking stuff. If you've ever worked in shipping and receiving, which I have, you can, I can bet you that most of the people all over the world involved in that line of work don't like what they're doing and don't treat your stuff very well. Whereas the computer or a machine might drop something sometime, uh, but it's not going to be actively out there trying to destroy the purchase you made on Amazon or whatever app that you were using to buy your stuff. So that's kind of what I mean by um, Society 5.0. We look at the ports in China and how they're automated, and they're not looking at it in terms of um, doom and uh, taking your jobs. They're looking at it in terms of efficiency and flow, and that's the way I've kind of learned to look at it as well. That's quite the preamble. Let's go into it right now. Um, but, you know, one thing that's one thing that has developed over time is, like, the fact that um, – AI imaging, like image creators, have gotten really, really good recently. And this is just a very brief one if you're interested in it. But new Tezuka Blackjack manga episode created using AI unveiled. This comes to us from Kyoto News via japantoday.com. A new episode of Osamu Tezuka's famous Blackjack manga, made with the help of artificial intelligence, was unveiled Monday, with the creator saying that while the work reflected the spirit of the late legendary manga artists, its adaptability to depict its ability to, to depict human feelings remains an issue. Quote, we are happy that a very Tezuka Osamu-like work has been created, end quote, said Makato Tezuka, son of the late artist and director at Tezuka Productions Co., one of the organizers of the project, which was launched to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the medical drama about an unlicensed genius surgeon. The latest 32-page episode will be published Wednesday in the weekly comic magazine Shunkan Shonen Champion and will feature a female patient who has had a transplant for what was supposed to have been a perfect AI-made artificial heart. The magazine ran the original Blackjack series from 1973 and 1983. Quote, the new episode contains the sanctity of life as a theme and raises issues posed by advanced medical technology in modern society, end quote. Makoto Tezuka told the joint press conference alongside project team members in Tokyo. The team used generative AI models that learned from some 200 episodes of Blackjack, another 200 short-form manga works by Osamu Tezuka, who died in 1989, and 20,000 pages of his manga character's facial image data. Under the project, which was officially launched in May, the team input plot uh, the team input 
plot ideas into the AI and requested it to come up with a full story for a new Blackjack episode. Interacting with the AI model enhanced creativity and generated text was adjusted to better reflect the team's vision of the story in a way readers could easily understand, the team said. The AI models used in the chat were ChatGPT's Advanced GPT-4 and Stable Diffusion, an image generator. Anyways, it goes on from there. Um, Very interesting idea. The AI would probably be better at manipulating the image data in aggregate. And then like they said, like the, the team members come in and adjust the, the dialogue and maybe adjust some of the eye movements or locations and, and stuff like that to make a, to make a Tezuka blackjack manga. So there we go. That's, that's a version of society 5.0 that I kind of like, I like the AI image generators. They're fast. They're good. It's easier to get them done. I use them for the podcast recently. I'm using Microsoft's Bing and I never, I hate Microsoft, but that Bing, let me tell you, Bing, Bing, Bing. Next, um, Panasonic envisions a world where homes and offices can be powered by their windows. Now, this is a futuristic theme and basically for the Japanese side of the Japanese 5.0, Japanese society 5.0, they're are two main factions. The factions of um, administration and regulation, which now is shoehorning all the um, DEI and the diversity, equity, inclusion, the SDGs, and kind of finding a space for this new, creepy, weird thought control middle management system where you might want to like say, I want an image generator to make me like a cat samurai committing seppuku and nightmares are flowing out of the wounds and, um, and, and people are looking on and gambling as to how long that he will live before he dies. I think that should be fine if you want to put that into an image generator, but the image generators can make that image look really great. But there's going to be a whole bunch of like, hey, we got to be safety people in the middle management specters, specters, sectors. That's not bad. Middle management specters um, that are going to come in and say, whoa, we can't promote violence. We can't promote hate using this thing. Let's just have people like make cute mice riding motorbikes and that will be it. So you have these very sheltered people who went to university and never really traveled much except in tour groups who are now in these systems and you go to interact with these systems to make some sort of wacky AI art from like some creative and dark perspective. And they're like, nope, it has to be cute. And if it's not cute, it's hate. And that's one aspect of the Japan society 5.0. Now, because of the creative vision of the blackjack people, they're going to be able to manipulate and use the AI imager to fit the design and specs that they want and not have to deal with the SDG DEI people meddling in their affairs every time you want to interact with the cloud. And that to me is the other side of the equation. So it's like the independent people that see it as a tool to get things done, like the Chinese people in their automatic ports, or the people that view AI as some sort of doomsday device and they need to control it to prevent people from spreading hate and misinformation because, oh, what happens if we're responsible? I could have stopped it. Those are the kind of the two camps. Um, and here we go with another one that fits into like the um, the, the, the go get them camp, the, the good camp. Panasonic envisions a world where homes and offices can be powered by their windows. 
Tokyo. This comes to us from thestar.com. Dot my. <laughs> Imagine a future where the glass windows and walls of buildings such as homes and offices can directly harness solar energy in place of unsightly and space-consuming solar panels. This reality is just years away with the technology developed by Japanese electronics giant Panasonic currently being used in the trial project in Fujisawa, south of Tokyo. So normally I don't like this whole maybe in the future type thing, but well, they're trialing it right now so we can dabble in it a little bit. The reason why I don't like this whole that happens in the future, maybe perhaps, is that it's just used by companies to make them make them appear more technologically advanced than they are. Like, oh, look at our new hydrogen power train. We're going to use it maybe in 45 years. Aren't we advanced? It's like, well, maybe come back to me in 45 years. But with 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 trialing and it's maybe over the horizon with this solar panel window stuff. The idea is to enable buildings in crowded urban jungles to serve as discrete mega solar power generators, Panasonic Group Chief Technology Officer Tatsuo Ogawa said in an interview on November 17th. We are recording this podcast on November 21st, 2023. Quote, we aim to create an energy generating glass that allows power generation in any area where glass building materials are used. Panasonic prints perovskite, a transparent or tinted alternative material to silicon that is said to be better at absorbing light, directly onto glass using an inkjet coating method. This allows ultra-thin solar cells to be embedded in unconventional spaces, such as windows and walls, it said. The company is now working to resolve potential vulnerabilities. Moisture damage, for one, is preempted by adding a second glass sheet. Quote, the solar cells must be durable enough because they are meant to last for decades and we must make it easy for construction companies to use the modules, he said. On top of that, we must make sure the electricity collection and management system is reliable. And it goes on from there. I'm not going to read the whole article because it's kind of speculative, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, now, the one thing that is really kicking off right now, now... The idea of the drone delivery system in the Japan Society 5.0, it said uh, drones will be able to deliver anywhere, anyhow, and medical stuff. And da, 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 da. Now we're seeing a bastardized version of this come into play. Um, when you're in the middle of the countryside and you're using um, not extinct, but defunct infrastructure as your roots, like for, for example, if you're just flying drones over people's property and it's very noisy, Japanese people are going to complain and then the companies are going to have to deal with it and it creates a big ball ache for everyone. But if you have um, defunct train lines, well, now you technically have infrastructure that's in place. And if you start using it as a, as a path for drones to fly over, it's hard for people to complain about that because the infrastructure is already there. Um, and so that's what's happened a, a few times to trial drone delivery service. But when you're in dense urban neighborhoods in Japan, there's power lines everywhere. There's lots of variability. Every building is quite different from each other. The drones are going to start crashing. And then even if one drone crashes three feet and a part of the drone breaks on the concrete, a person's going to take a picture and that's going to become news. And then that company is going to see that it will never see the end of living down that shame. So instead of risking it, you just avoid it completely. And that's why we don't see a lot of this technology being rolled out in Japan. 
too risky. But this comes to us from newsonjapan.com, and I'd seen some videos of it earlier before. Aerial robots as new infrastructure for suburban delivery. This this uh, is a little bit inventive here, but I'll be posting the video up to matthewpmbigelow.com. A black box that moves like a cable car. This is the aerial delivery robot developed by Panasonic and Tokyo as a new delivery infrastructure for suburban residential areas grappling with an aging population. The robot traverses along wires strung between 10 utility poles within a housing complex and delivers packages to a designated receiving box. It is believed to have a lower risk of falling compared to drones and is also quieter. So it's like using the existing infrastructure, like I said, and instead of train lines, it's using power lines in this case. So the power lines are quite tall. You string up some wires underneath the uh, power lines, uh, still quite high up. And now you have robots that move up and down along these lines. And there's boxes situated along the path and you draw it it lowers the goods into a box and you pick it up later when you need it. Not a bad idea. Um, I'll be posting the video up onto MatthewPMBigelow.com. All right. Not a bad idea. Especially if it's limited. You don't want probably a network of multi-kilometers and there's loops and there's tracks and you got to switch tracks over to get the goods going from one place to another. But if it's like um, a housing complex and you have a receiving area and instead of having people coming down all the time, you just send the robot up to near where they live and they come down and get it near where they are. That's a, that's like, that's the effectiveness of Japan society 5.0. There's no controversy behind it. It's like, Oh, it's more efficient and it works and it's a robot and it's not killing us. And now I get my packages easier. End of the day. It's over. It's done. <clears throat> and next, um, Ministry, uh, oh, MOL, it's that shipping company to install. If you're not aware of Japan Society 5.0 in the shipping industry, these big ships have very few people on them. They're mostly goods and they're mostly running along automated supply chain routes in the ocean and stuff like that, making them prime candidates for receiving updates to digital transformation. Most of these shipping lines as well are big into decarbonization, I think because they just use so much fuel, so they want to reduce that fuel. And you you see a lot of um, uh, efforts being made to put AI into the ships. Mitsui OSK Lines, MOL, will install cameras in an AI system developed by Captain's Eye in the cargo holds of most of its LNG-fueled car carriers to prevent early fire detection capabilities. The devices will be installed on 10 vessels currently on order and scheduled for delivery in 2024 or later, and the company will consider retrofitting current in-service vessels with the system. The Captain's Eye AI system sends an alert to crew members on board the vessel and to onshore ship management company when it detects abnormal images captured by the cameras. All MOL car carriers are currently equipped with fire alarms, But the AI-based system will enable faster smoke detection. How? Probably with visualization. In addition, images of the cargo hold can be viewed from both the vessel and on land, leading to faster response in case of fire. It also puts the managers right into the ship's hold, so you can't go down there and smoke weed. (laughs) 
it'll sound the the camera will see the smoke coming off of your joint in the Indian Ocean. Take a picture of you, and you'll find yourself fired when you get into port. Captain's IAI systems are mainly used to detect abnormalities in the engine room and on deck and have been introduced on merchant ships and other vessels around the world. In collaboration with Captain's IMOL, Mitsui Ocean Lines, has conducted demonstration tests of the I system smoke detection capabilities using cameras and cargo holds aboard the car carrier Onyx Ace. It has improved the system's functionality through multiple tests and has confirmed its effectiveness, including the successful detections of small amounts of smoke. And of course, by the time the smoke gets to the smoke detector, wherever it is, it might be too late. <clears throat> but if you have early detection capabilities with a camera, maybe you can send people down there to you know rescue hundreds of millions of dollars worth of um, expensive cars or whatever's on that ship. So, while it might seem like it's um, an initial high cost to introduce, the fact that you could sh- save so much in terms of goods on these big ships carrying out all this stuff around the world, as well as put managers on the mainland directly into the cargo holds to maybe view illicit activity that could go on down there by um, bad crews, you, you just decrease the amount of crime while increasing the amount of safety. And that's, a, that's one other part of um, Japan Society 5.0. We're going to take a look at mm, the big one, though. I'm not going to get into it too much, but ChatGPT is really famous in Japan. When I was at the C-Tech, there was a lot of ChatGPT going on there. And people are using it a lot for various things. I use it a lot for translation, notes. Hints, production as well. Uh, you ask it something in it about general knowledge, like how do I use Logic Pro X for this? And it just tells me, and I don't need to go looking at it on YouTube and subscribe and like to a channel and all that. So it's very useful. But as um, the big news in the AI world, Sam Altman, the big wig over there at, at uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, I should say, he was ousted by his um, his board. And if you look at the board, they're basically full of the DEI, SG, SDG, like do-gooder types. And this guy, I think he's just trying to roll out as quickly as possible something that can be replicated rather easily so he can secure as much market share as possible before it gets copied and um, devalued. But... So what happened is, I think it's a coup. Um, What happened is Microsoft is a major investor in this. And Microsoft is not to be trusted. When they took over Skype, they made it really bad. They made it much worse. And they nerfed it as well. And you can also see, see the same thing happening with Microsoft's Bing that I mentioned earlier. I used to get a lot much better images, but then after even one week, it's coming back cartoonier. It's coming back goofier. And Microsoft really just wants everybody to be like um, some sort of, hey, ho, I'm a boomer. Oh, what do you know? Oh, look, it's just doing it for me. Oh, time to get on to Excel. Oh, look at me. I'm a good little employee. They they want to turn everybody into like a somebody that's subservient to a middle manager somewhere. I think that's Microsoft's core mission. And uh, 
They've invested billions of dollars, even though most of that money has not been delivered, apparently, into open AI. And uh, I think they want the technology. I don't think they want this technology outside of the centralized field. That's the other aspect of Japan Society 5.0, centralized versus decentralized. So Microsoft wants to keep this technology centralized, and they want to own it. But because the guy, Sam Altman, the CEO, was uh, selling it too much and rolling out too much too fast, according to the board members, perhaps, they fired him. Now, what's happening? Microsoft CEO says Sam Altman will be joining Microsoft. So was this a coup or is this like a double coup? What's Microsoft doing here? Because now Microsoft and Sam Altman's going to bring all of his people into Microsoft probably. And uh, chat GPT is going to be left with a bunch of crazy weird wokesters. Will you, will you ask chat GPT to talk about like, um, uh, you know, the slave trade and it just won't let you talk about it. It'll be like, you can't talk about the slave trade. That's racist. You have to watch this video about how you're racist. And they will link to a YouTube video that's probably made by one of their subordinate companies and they create their own weird cult programming. That's what a lot of those SDG, DEI people are. They're, they're basically like, a lot of them are just like do-gooders, but they're the low level people that are walking deep into like the cult, you know? And these people are serious cult members. Like you listen to them, they're like, we just want everybody to have free lunch. We want, we want to make your free lunch, and we always want you to come to us for a free lunch. And if you go anywhere else and you pay for the lunch, we're going to give you, you can't, well, that's racist, and we're going to use misinformation, and we're going to, like, that's how quickly they go, like, from, just come to us for a free lunch. That's how racist if you don't come to us for a free lunch. We're going to get you a free lunch, okay? And there's a lot of people in this field of technology that just kind of say, I just want to use it to build cool shit. Can I just do that without this weird cult floating around? But that's what happens when it's centralized. You create these centralized systems and you basically create enough of a suction into the centralized system to attract all of these weird modern day cult members that regulate and meet and then make unions and then decide the future direction of this technology. And it doesn't go anywhere. Nobody uses it. And then they just say too bad. They quit and they move on to the next thing. And you know, the person who invested it or, or created the company originally is left either holding a giant bag of money now, like Sam Altman is going into Microsoft, the same, he's going to be circled back into the same circle jerk probably, or they're left holding a bag of garbage and it's totally devalued. So those are the weird kind of things that are going on with society 5.0. It's an ongoing thing. And so it's, it's developing and evolving. And like six, seven years ago, it was all about like, um, uh, advancements in camera recognition being used for security purposes. But all that technology has basically reached a threshold where it's still improving, but it's not like it's a new technology. Now it's filtering down to the regulatory level, but the regulatory level has now been filled up with all these crazy DEI, SDG people, and they're really chewing on it like some sort of weird chew toy that they're going to have to tame in order to deliver it to people like you and me. So I'm staying away from them. That's for sure. 
The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a low cost, no matter where we are. AI and robots will enhance human ability and expand our infinite possibilities, helping us enjoy more fulfilling lives. Society 5.0 For the betterment of human lives. Have you ever considered donating to the Japan Wood Podcast? Of course you have. Use PayPal at paypal.me forward slash Japan WUT. You can also use the podcasting 2.0 app. What's that? It's a great new value for value system using protocols, open source protocols for app development that goes around the censorious nature of big tech and prevents the middle managers from coming in and regulating what you can or cannot see or hear or listen to. It also allows users like yourself to send Bitcoin micropayments called Satoshis directly to the podcast creator. Me! We're set up. It's called being lit. The podcasting 2.0 infrastructure is alive and well. There's a growing number of apps, growing number of music apps as well music shows, you can go to Podverse, CurioCaster, Fountain, Podfans. There's plenty of these apps going around now, and I suggest you import your podcasting infrastructure or listening experiences into these new ones, because they're going to be around for a while, and uh, you never know where these big tech companies are going to take you or your data. So that's paypal.me forward slash WUT podcasting 2.0 or just go to the website matthewpmbigelow.com that's matthewpmbigelow.com to send us some traffic check out the show notes photos click on those donation ideas and more thank you for listening die for the war never but it moves die for the good for the good die for the war die for the war Interestingly enough, war never goes according to plan. We have the two wars that are going on right now, and Japan is invariably connected into both of them. The one being right now that's the hottest is the Gaza-Israel conflict. We're not going to go too much into it right now, but interestingly enough, and I found like a an aspect that doesn't drag us into like, I support them. How dare they with the hospital? Who's a, how do you, what about the, that's a gravity. Well, I've established a narrative to keep us out of the gravity. Well, so our ship might shudder a little bit, but we're not going to get sucked in. And so what happened was for some reason, the Houthis in Yemen hijacked 
an Israel-linked ship, but it's a Japanese ship. We're not really sure how this happened. This is coming, I got this from aljazeera.com, just to get a different perspective. From, when was this? Uh, November 20th, 2023, and we're recording this on November 21. Japan seeking talks with Houthi hijackers of Red Sea Israeli-linked ship. Japan has approached Yemeni rebels in a bid to secure the release of the galaxy leader hijacked in the Red Sea. Now, before we begin, Bodhi McBoatface should have been the name of this ship. They didn't name it Bodhi McBoatface. If you don't know what Bodhi McBoatface is, look it up. But this ship is called Galaxy Leader. Before we get into the conflict and all that, I just want to just give props to the people who came up with this fantastic name for a ship. Could you imagine calling something Galaxy Leader? Now I can. Japan says it is directly approaching the Houthi rebels who have hijacked a cargo ship in the Red Sea. Tokyo said on Monday that it is also, quote, communicating with Israel, end quote, as it seeks to secure the release of the galaxy leader. The ship is owned by an Israeli businessman and operated by a Japanese firm. (laughs) The Yemeni rebel group attacked the vessel the previous day while it was to India from Turkey in response, it said, to the heinous acts being committed by Israel in Gaza. Now, this isn't written in a way that's really good for me, but basically said the Yemeni group attacked the vessel because it's the Yemenis are taking the side of the Palestinians. The Japanese government has strongly condemned the seizure of the ship, which is operated by Nippon Yusen. Tokyo has urged other concerned countries, including Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Oman, to participate to participate in persuading the rebels to release the vessel and hostages soon. Foreign Minister Yoko Kamikawa uh, said Tokyo was, quote, communicating with Israel, and in addition to directly approaching the Houthis, we are also urging Saudi Arabia, Oman, Iran, and other countries concerned to strongly urge the Houthis for the early release of the vessel and crew members. It goes on from there. Um, <clears throat> interesting, because... Japan likes to think, like, largely, it can just avoid conflict. Like, we're not taking a side, but we're still going to operate in the area. Same thing with uh, Ukraine and Russia, which we'll get a little bit to as well. Oh, we're not taking a side, but we're going to totally side with America. But we hope we can still do business with Russian gas companies. But we're still, as you know, people taking this side of the Americas, going to withdraw all of our operations from Russia. But let's just hope we're cool, okay? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are going to go, okay, I think a lot of people are going to go, we're not going to let you play this both ways for long. There's going to, you're going to, you're going to get your foot stuck in it. And that's what happened with this ship being seized. All right. So there's a ship that's seized. Um, and there's a video from Al Jazeera as well. It'll be linked up at MatthewPMBigelow.com. But what's interesting is that I follow a um, shipping news website and I'm really interested in this stuff because it adds a little bit more perspective that you wouldn't normally see otherwise. Most mainstream news would be like like what I just read. There's this side and there's this side and this side says this and this side this says that. And that's like, okay, we're done. We're over. But when you get into a little bit more 
niche areas. I'm not a niche person. You niche people can frankly stay over there. This comes to us from Helen. Uh, I can't read it. Hold on. Helenisshippingnews.com. My eyes are not what they used to be. War risk premiums back in oil and shipping as Houthis seize vessel in Red Sea. The seizure of a cargo ship off the coast of Yemen. And this is how we're avoiding like the the the, the sides and, and Netanyahu and the and the Hamas. The seizure of a cargo ship off the coast of Yemen by the Houthis on November 19th has seen the return of war premiums for oil and shipping in the region, analysts said. The Iran-aligned Houthis announced October 31st their decision to join the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas. The Houthis previously aimed their missiles and drones at Saudi Arabia. The Houthis' uh, spokesperson, Alamid Yahasari, issued a statement November 14th announcing the group's intention to sink Israeli ships in the Red Sea. On November 19th, the group seized a cargo ship, which they claimed to be Israeli-owned and threatened all ships affiliated with Israel in any way that they should be at risk of seizure. This is where, like, the shipping industry gets really interesting for me because it's, like, it's flagged here. It's owned by this one but operated by this one. It's a pretty interesting market. Galaxy Leader, the Bahamian-flagged vessel seized in the Red Sea, is chartered by Japanese company NYK Line and is part-owned by Israeli billionaire Abraham Unger. Best sentence ever. The seizure of the vessel will indicate to ship owners transiting the Red Sea that war risk premiums will rise. Love Mengani, a shipbroker with Dubai Blue Peak Commodities and Shipping, said, quote, As a shipbroker, I'll have to do more KYC. What's KYC? When I'm offering my client a ship to see if there's any Israeli ownership involved in this. Oh, know your customer. As a ship broker, I'll have to do more know your customer when I'm offering my client a ship to see if there's any Israeli ownership involved in this ship, he said. Ship brokers will have to get armed guards on board ships transiting these waterways a lot more than they used to, increasing costs. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to, we're going to end it there, but I just thought that was an interesting take on all of this. Of course you have the, oh, we're just going to have this limited military operation in Gaza. Oh, the Houthis are joining in. Oh, now the Houthis are going to sink these Israeli ships. Oh, they've seized this Israeli ship, which is operated by a Japanese company. It's Bahamian flagged and part owned by an Israeli billionaire. You cannot predict where war is going to go. You really can't. And I thought that was an interesting aspect to this. And so now we're going to see maybe shipping costs go up. We might see a lot more um, hesitancy for ships to transit these lanes. Or it could even like, oh, here's just an idea. By um, targeting Western affiliated countries or G7 countries and allowing Belt and Road Initiative countries to go through, they might be able to reduce the cost of shipping uh, for uh, China and Russia and Iran and other places like that by um, increasing the amount of pressure on uh, on G7 related countries going through the same area. So then it creates like a, a parallel economy where one 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 group of ships 
is now targeted and now has to have armed guards, or you can use these other ships, which are just fine and don't need armed guards at all, and they're cheaper and more in line with your values. So we could see this leading to um, even perhaps more de-dollarization, where China could step in and start offering yuan-denominated transition to uh, people using their own flagged ships for their own shipping lines and avoiding the uh, heightened risks associated with being on the G7 side in this very adverse area of the world. Interesting, isn't it? War. A couple of more headlines before we call it a day for today. Japan should join AUKUS, uh, Australia, UK, US trilateral agreement, says former, uh, former Prime Minister Taro Aso. Originally, um, the Australia was going to commission a bunch of submarines from Japan, uh, but they didn't. Eventually, they went with America over France. All this is interconnected. But anyways, I think the uh, Tato Aso wants to see some more money coming into Japan. So he wants to join in on the AUKUS. Japan to provide patrol ships to Bangladesh with an eye on China. Uh, that's also the free and open Indo-Pacific, the Quad Initiative. Cargo ship. Oh, we just covered that. U.S. Marines conduct a drill on island seen as vulnerable to China. Uh, Japan vice ministers visit Ukraine to examine recovery needs, right? So Japan sided with the United States and Ukraine's going to need a lot of rebuilding and Japan's going to go in there and offer a bunch of ideas. They're going to get turned down and all of the Ukrainian and the G7 people will redefine their relationship with China and allow China to rebuild Ukraine is my guess. But finally, Unsafe and unpredictable interaction with the People's Liberation Army um, Navy of China. This is a really strange one. This comes to us directly from the Australian government. The Australian government has expressed its serious concerns to the Chinese government following an unsafe and unprofessional interaction with the People's Liberation Army Navy destroyer. On our Tuesday, 14th, November 2023, uh, the HMAS Toowoomba was in international waters inside of Japan's exclusive economic zone en route to a com- com- to commence a scheduled port visit. The Toowoomba had been in the region conducting operations in support of the United Nations sanctions enforcement. It had stopped to conduct diving operations in order to clear fishing nets that had become entangled around its propellers. At all times, Toowoomba communicated its intention to conduct diving operations on normal maritime channels and using internationally recognized signals. While diving operations were underway, uh, People's Liberation Army Navy China destroyer operating in the vicinity closed towards the Toowoomba. Toowoomba again advised to the China's destroyer that diving operations were being conducted and requested the ship keep clear. Despite acknowledging Toowoomba's communications, the, China's, the Chinese vessel approached at a closer range. Soon after, it was detected operating its hull-mounted sonar in a manner that posed a risk to the safety of the Australian divers who were forced to exit the water. Isn't that nuts? Like, why would you do that? Why would you come up to another ship with divers in the water and just pummel them with a, with sonar. That's that's like evil gangster stuff. 
I can understand like if it's getting really close to Chinese shores and you're some country like, let's just say France, like you're a France Navy destroyer and you're like, you're coming up into Hainan area and the Chinese get a little antsy and they shoot some sonar. But if you're like in the exclusive economic zone of Japan and, Oh, let's just say they're doing, they're untangling the nets, but they're really doing something else. Like who knows what they're actually doing. I don't trust the Australians. I don't know about you. Why would you trust the Australians? It's a penal colony. Why would you trust them? But do then do you go ahead and just trust the Chinese? The answer is no. But even so, why would you take your sonar equipment, move up on them, and just zap them with a bunch of sonar equipment? That's some like raising the um, the, the standard of of what is acceptable or not acceptable. That is like provoking people. That's not what you want to do in international waters. If I wouldn't, if somebody did that, I wouldn't be surprised if you just took a torpedo and sunk that ship and said, Hey, you can't do that. We're going to kill you. Cause we don't know what you're doing next. You can't just come up to me. It's like, you can't come up to me with a baseball bat and start swinging it at my head. If I have a gun, should I just shoot you in the face? It's one of those arguments. Anyways, that's going to be the war uh, idea for today. Um, interesting to see the war in, uh, in Ukraine settling down. Russia is going to basically keep all of the gains that they've made. Uh, the, the other side will make some sort of posturing, but it like NATO's a joke and uh, it's signaling as well to more and more despots around the world that, there's really now is a window of opportunity to act if you want to start stirring shit up, rewriting some borders on the map, taking advantage of the weakness within Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, and even Prime Minister Kishida right now. He's he has a strongly approval rate of one percent, and he has like an overall approval rate of twenty percent, and. Uh, it's all, all of these countries that I'm talking about are being infested with the DEIs, the SDGs, the World Economic Forum talking points. They're being dismantled. They're being shriveled. They're having their nutsacks chopped off and taken away. And the rest of the world can kind of see that. So now is a time to be very hesitant about what's going to be happening in the future. Uh, of course, your daily lives, you know, you can still get beers and restaurants and enjoy time with your families and all that. But geopolitically, and especially if you're on the side of the G7, which I am, I'm a Canadian living in Japan, we're kind of seeing our pies uh, shrink a lot right now. And it's probably only going to continue would be my guess. Before 2015, I was saying, no, before 2019, I would be saying it's increasing. This is good times. It's never been better. But we locked down the economy for the sniffles. We printed more money than ever before. 80% of all money, like in the United States, been print, ever has been printed in the past three years. And elected Joe Biden, there's Justin Trudeau, there's PM Kishida, we have a, 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 an influx of hyper-weak leaders in tumultuous times, very suddenly, just things like that. Things get better, things get worse suddenly, or gradually, and then suddenly. That's the, that's the way it goes. So to avoid the sudden decrease, we got to be aware of the gradual decrease is the way I see it. So thank you. That's the war segment for today. Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war, die for the war. 
All right, that's going to be the podcast for today. I did prepare a bunch of other notes. We have been getting a lot better in the in the Apple reviews or the charts, I should say, consistently. Like instead of drop coming in and dropping out, coming in and dropping out, we're maintaining a steady position, hovering around. Like we got into like 30, 40, 80, 120, up to 90, down to 110. Uh, but I'd like to try to get this going more. So we'll do another podcast later this week with some of the stuff I've prepared for today that I didn't get around to. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Remember, go to paypal.me forward slash Japan W-U-T or send us some traffic to the website, MatthewPMBigelow.com. Thank you for listening. You found it. The Japan Wa Podcast coming at you from the Toshihisa Cho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. The armpit of Asia. Until next time, everybody, I bid thee Ja Mata Ne. You yeah.